Welcome to the Good Life Central Oregon podcast, where we pursue the good life by helping you pursue yours. The good life begins with a roof over your head, so please contact our sponsors for this podcast, Remax Revolution and Sisters. Remax is the number one real estate company in the world, and Remax Revolution offers new solutions for better results. Go to ilovecentraloregon.com to find out more. I'm sitting here with uh, a very, very good man. I've got some personal history with this man. Um, his name is uh, Dr. Rick Cudahy, and he was uh, my children's uh, first pediatrician there when... Uh, my daughter was first born, so we, we go back at least six years now. <laughs> That's right. Um, but uh, the, the interesting thing that uh, we brought uh, Dr. Cudahy on this uh, podcast is because he was a pediatrician for, and uh, correct me if, I'm say, if I missay something, but uh, he was a pre- pediatrician for 18 years, uh, started up the uh, pediatrics for Ben Memorial Clinic, uh, and uh, suddenly decided that he wanted to be an entrepreneur when he grew up. And that, that is a story waiting to be told. Uh, now uh, he helps physicians with the toughest task they perform, communicating effectively with their patients. Uh, from pediatrics to zippity.com, uh, Dr. Rick Cudahy is uh, forging his good life in Central Oregon. And we want to find out how. Awesome. Well, hopefully I'll be able to tell you how. And, and uh, thank you, Jeremy, for inviting me to be on this. Oh, I, my pleasure. I, I always like uh, uh, new challenges, obviously. Uh, <laughs> not that this is a huge challenge, but I think this is a, a very interesting and, and, and fun opportunity to uh, uh, to be a part of. Well, it kind of falls in line with what you're doing now mm-hmm. with uh, all the technological side of communication. Right, right. There, uh, there's a lot of uh, technology that's in the way uh, in in lots of things in, in healthcare for sure, and uh, trying to pare that down into something that actually people want to use that that really works and that uh, is um, you know is good for both sides of the equation, you know, patients as well as physicians, and that's that's the trick, and that's what we're trying to, that's the riddle we're trying to solve. Well, and we're going to dive into that story in a little bit more detail as to what Zippity is and does and and how to get involved. But first of all, let's go back. Sure. You became a physician. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, around what time, uh, what, what year did you uh, become a doctor? Oh, so I graduated from uh, high school in 1983, college in 87, and then uh, medical, medical school in uh, 1991. So I went, I went straight through, no breaks. Not how I would recommend doing it to somebody who was at the beginning of that adventure. Uh, you should find a, a spot to take a break uh, and uh, just take stock in, in what you're doing. Uh, and and that will make you, I think, um, uh, stronger and have more energy for uh, the, the, the challenges of um, you know, going through residency and then transitioning into uh, into your first real job at, at age thirty or so. So interesting. You don't feel that there's a, a risk of not going back if you do take a break to travel or or whatever that break may consist of. Oh, I think that if you took a you know if you took a break, uh, well, say in between. Uh, college and medical school. Ideally, you you could be accepted to medical school and then just defer for a year, uh, and then you have your uh, your next step all planned out. Uh, 
I don't think it's as common to take a break between medical school and um, and uh, res- residency because that's once once you get to that point, the momentum's pretty rolling. Yeah, I would imagine momentum was an important factor. But I think that um, you make a decision, you know, to go into medicine. Uh, pretty early on, uh, and it's, it's a little bit of a romantic decision. You know, you've you, you've seen doctors in action, whether that's on TV or nowadays, you know, maybe on the internet, and, and you, you have this vision, and that's largely what people make their decision about. And, and uh, I remember my mom saying, you know, you'll have a beeper, you'll you'll get called up in the middle of the night, and I said, ah, oh, it doesn't matter. That sounds great, and uh, and so you make this 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 decision in a in a in a time when you're still trying to figure it out yourself. Uh, and the decision is is made on the right um, on the right merit. The reasons that people make the decision, I think, are great uh, and so, and sound. Uh, but then the this the, the 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 training, if you will, is very rigorous and it's fatiguing. And sometimes that 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 dream that you had, that that energy that you made the decision with, uh, gets beat down a little bit. And so my thought, uh, and 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 seeing people who have taken a uh, a break during their training. And you know how grounded they are once they're practicing. It mm. seems like that is advantageous, uh, and it's not uh, a routine part of any curriculum. Uh, but I think it should be um, uh, not necessarily required, but the do- the door should be open to that. Uh, and you know, extrapolating a little bit into our personal life, we have a daughter, and she just graduated from high school, and she's going to do a gap year. Uh, and she, she's one of these people who it makes sense because uh, she'll be able to, um, uh, I think, um, ground herself more, develop more confidence. And, uh, and, and she's lucky because she already knows you know, what she wants to do. She's gotten into a program in a year from now. And it was interesting. It took her a long time for her to get the idea of, uh, of doing this uh, through her brain and accepting it. But uh, I think uh, now... Uh, we'll find out, of course, but I think now it, it, it sounds good to her, and, and I think that, uh, um, you know, part of it's what's the rush, you know? Uh, you can rush through high school and college and get a job, uh, or graduate school even, uh, and if you haven't taken enough time to f- just take a pause and figure out, okay, is this the right thing for me? You know, I would see kids in, in, in the office, teenagers, and, and uh, uh, you know, ask them what you know what they were what they were thinking and planning, and, and the, the 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 people that said, you know, I really don't know. I would say, awesome, <laughs> that's the right answer because, look, you know, you're 16 years old, you shouldn't know what you're wanting to do. And I, I actually worried about the ones that said, oh, I'm going to be do- doing this, because have you compared and 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 challenged yourself? Spotted out, right? Spotted right. out in more detail. Yeah. So what what would you what would you say to the uh, competitive aspect of our American culture that that does drive us to get good grades and play sports and join all the clubs in high school so that we can get into college and wash, rinse, repeat so that we can get into medical mm-hmm. school and then go on and go on and go on. Yeah, I think that's a... It's um, become a pretty typical road that people um, take. Uh, and... Um, uh, unfortunately, probably a lot of people are accepted on that basis. You know, they have all the boxes checked. Uh, but you know, the 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 walk-on athletes. I mean, that haven't really played for all the club teams or done all of the, uh, you know, the things that you might think uh, that most athletes have done. You know, the people with the talent get on the team. 
Uh, and I, I think that there's, um, that's not necessarily applicable to uh, healthcare. Is, and there's just an insecurity of if, if you don't do all of these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that if, if, if you have a burning desire to do something and you're doing things because of that, as opposed to padding your, you know, your, your CV or your resume, I think you're still going to rise to the top, even if you don't do everything. Uh, and, um, um, you know, uh, it, it, anytime you have competition, you're going to have, uh, you know, a lot of people, um, you know, going through motions. And it, I think it's a very hard thing for someone making the decision, you get in or you don't get in, uh, to always clearly see through that. But a lot of um, um, programs, I think most medical schools still have interviews. And so a lot of that, that gets discerned uh, to some degree uh, through the process. Hmm. So, so um, how did you, we kind of glossed over this a little swiftly, how did you decide that, yes, I want to be a doctor? I mean, you talked about, well, we uh, sometimes uh, people these days can see it on TV, and I'm, I'm certainly sure that this has happened where, uh, you know, father's a doctor, the grandfather's a doctor, so therefore mm-hmm. we be become a doctor. Um, how did that process happen for you specifically? Um, well, uh, no one in my family was in healthcare, uh, and uh, uh, two probably major factors. One, uh, I have an Italian grandmother, uh, and two, I'm a firstborn. So I had no choice but to go into medicine, basically. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm joking to some extent, but uh, my uh, Italian grandmother always would say in Italian, and I can't say it how she did, but my, my grandson, the doctor, and she'd repeat that over and over again, and she was so happy. Uh, on graduation day, and she attended uh, medical school graduation, and she just smiled. Uh, she smiled at baseline a lot, but I've never seen her smile that much that day. When it came to fruition. When it was finally, when, yeah. When her brainwashing finally worked. Right, right. <laughs> uh, interestingly, um, uh, you know, my, my, my mom always said, you know, we'll support whatever you want to do. Uh, and it wasn't a... Um, you know, go into medicine or anything in particular, uh, it, I think I interpreted looking back that there was a little bit of, a, um, yeah, we'll support what you want to do, but you know, think about medicine. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't really that. Uh, I think that there was a whole lot of um, um, just the baseline of, um, you know, working hard, doing well. And, um, you know, I think medicine is always looked at as one of those um, uh, challenging, uh, competitive, admirable fields. And I think that, uh, you know, being a competitive person, you know, looking at, uh, you know, how can you make a difference? How can you do, do good things in the world? Uh, medicine naturally, you know, percolates at the top of the list. Oh, sure. So, so I think I decided, I didn't want to tell anybody I decided for a long time, uh, even, even, most way through college, I, I never wanted to be labeled a pre-med person. And so I was just a chemistry major. And it was probably late junior year that I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to take the MCAT and told people about it and uh, started to, you know, more formally go down that road, even though I thought about it uh, in high school. Most of the guys I knew in college told told people they were pre-med just because it would help them pick up girls. Yeah, you get a lot more dates that way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes, I'm pre-med. <laughs> Someday I will have a BMW. You want to go out? <laughs> right, right, yeah. So, so, you, so you chose the, the different approach then, the, the, the noble approach, the high road. Well, I don't know if it's that. I, I just, uh, you know, more the incognito and just, you know, kind of uh, uh, doing, um, you know, 
trying to do things that are, um, you know, truly interesting and, and, and motivational, uh, as opposed to um, just getting on a bandwagon and, and uh, going through motions. So, so you were one of the few people that got into it because of, as you put it, the romantic notion of, I want to help people. Mm-hmm. I would, I would say so. I think that uh, uh, it's a very, um, uh, you don't realize it when you make the decision, but when you help somebody through a tough illness or, um, you know, you make a diagnosis early on that makes a difference, it really saves a lot of, of, of stress and, uh, you know, um, pain and time and, and, and all that, um, that actually is, is amazingly rewarding. And you don't realize that when you make your decision. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I, I think that, um, uh, you know, I, I've transitioned out of medicine right now for a variety of reasons, but the reasons that I went into medicine are all still true to this day. So then that's a perfect segue to my, my next question. What did you love about medicine and why did you choose young patients, pediatrics? Um, Pediatrics, uh, that was a very easy decision. In in part, it was because of uh, my high school physics teacher. Uh, His name was Dr. DeWitt, and really tough teacher. I loved his class. Uh, And he said, I, I asked him one time, I said, Dr. DeWitt, physics is so hard. Why on earth did you do this? You know, why did you go into teaching physics? And he said, uh, I just decided to do something that uh, I just enjoyed so much and just made sense to me. Uh, and it was just, you know, didn't feel like a, you know, a, a regular job. And uh, so I, I was in, in, you know, when you're in college, you decide what to major in. And, and the same thing happens when you go into medicine. It's like a, now you have to decide your major. Uh, and so I just uh, decided to follow that advice and, and, and pick the thing that just resonated the most with me. And that happened to be... Uh, pediatrics, and uh, it you know it, you can say well being a surgeon, being an ophthalmologist, a radiologist, all those have a lot more glamour sort of mm-hmm. uh, uh, to them, and they're very popular also because of the economic aspect of it. But uh, uh, you know what did I feel most naturally connected to, and that was that's pediatrics and kids, and and it's it's a combination. You have the uh, little person in front of you, and that's truly your first allegiance. That's your patient. But then, right next to them is this other person, their parent. Yes. And so, I think that the uh, the dynamics of trying to interact and uh, bridge, you know, those two relationships, or actually three relationships, you know, uh, the parent child, you to the parent, and you yeah. and, and you to the child, is uh, um, an interesting challenge. And didn't that that part didn't feel like work? Uh, and I very much enjoyed. Um, being in uh, an exam room, uh, trying to figure out, you know, what the concern that this parent had, uh, trying to en- very uh, clearly engage the, pa- uh, the patient, the, the, the child, without, you know, doing a lot of typical things where people talk in a kind of a silly baby voice or interact mm-hmm. in a, you know, non-natural you know natural way to, to try to get the kid to be comfortable. Uh, and I think that uh, trying to figure uh, figure out, most of the time it's like a riddle. Your your patients don't talk to you or they don't want to talk to you and might not tell you um, what you need to know. Uh, And then you have a parent who's trying to interpret, you know, the same same way you are. And uh, when you can make all of that come together and um, uh, have the um, person uh, feel better off for coming in to see you that day, 
uh, that that really made made my day. Uh, well, and, and and I think that's ultimately why we um, chose you as, as our pediatrician mm-hmm. for both of our kids. Is is we can, and and forgive me, I'm not trying to blow smoke uh, mm-hmm. during the middle of a podcast, but we do have it on air. Um, but but mo- both my wife and I did notice that you had a natural and genuine ease mm-hmm. with with not only the kids, but most importantly, the neurotic brand new parents that were scared out of their mind because this is, you know, I've never encountered this situation before having a baby. Um, and so it was very, uh, it was a very easy decision to, to work with you. And it's no surprise now that you're basically in the communication field. Right. Right. Uh, and, and I think that's what, um, um, at some point I decided to, to transition, but, uh, uh, but the focus is still exactly on the same thing. You know, how can we uh, make that time between a healthcare provider and their patient or their parent? How can we make that just work better? Uh, and not by adding layers of, of of steps and clicks and things you have to do. But no, how can we s- simply make that make that better? Yeah, and, and and I think that's very valid. I mean, I have a medical background, and so every time we'd come in there and things would be discussed, then, then I would do my best to translate from Dr. Ease to wife ease um, because she'd always ask me questions. And most of it I understood. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, it was easy to wrap my head around. But there are a lot of people out there who, who not only don't understand medicine and all, all that stuff, but there might be a few people out there that prefer to bury their head in the sand because it's so complicated. Yeah, I always had to make sure my pencils were sharp when I saw you guys on my schedule because I knew you'd have tough <laughs> questions. <laughs> no, I and I, and I, I it, it wasn't to pin you down anywhere. I, I, no, I it, truly wanted to know. Yeah, no, and I I, I appreciate that. I, I could I could uh, clearly sense that it was it it wasn't uh, pimping the doctor kind of thing and, and trying to test you know if they're on track or not. But uh, uh, no, that just that genuine uh, desire to know uh, as a parent. Uh, what is what is the best thing for my my yeah. my child? Exactly. Yeah, um, and and um, I couldn't resist the temptation to ask a little side question uh, that mm-hmm. has nothing to do with this podcast, mm-hmm. but um, I, I think it's a worthwhile information for people in Central Oregon and anywhere in the nation, anywhere who would be listening mm-hmm. to this. Um, what are some simple ways to help our kids be healthier? Hmm. What what are I mean? What are some of the obvious trends? I mean, I know obesity is one of the things, but uh, medicine aside, what are things that parents can do right now to start helping their kids be healthy? Uh, that's that's a uh, an important question. I think you can answer it in a, in a complex way or just in a long winded way. But you know, I think that just taking examples uh, of uh, what what is uh, a good formula for a healthy life no matter what age you are uh, and it's it's just that balance uh, and uh, you know for most adults it's that work-life balance mm-hmm. uh, and you know life gets split up into family uh, you do have to take care of yourself so you have to you know value that and uh, you know as uh, you know looking at just general health of kids it's like you know if parents would approach it as you know they just have to have a balance and and, you know, I think that means, okay, yeah, you can watch some TV. Sure, play some video games, you know, but it has to be balanced. You have to stay connected to your, your, your child. And, and, uh, and that means, you know, conversations, not just, you know, going through motions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that means mealtimes have to, you know, not be a conversation between the parents 
reviewing their day. Uh, it has to be, you know, dynamic and, and open-ended questions. And uh, uh, and um, and if you if you strive for balance, you know, meaning um, you know time together, time uh, in individual activities, and uh, um, you know attention to attention to that, I think a lot of things will fall into place. Um, so. Which I, and I love that answer because there's so much more to life than just medicine and and mm-hmm. okay how, how do we keep our kids disease free but mm-hmm. but uh, how do we keep our kids engaged and and um, and and open to parents I mean I, we always hear the stories about kids who and, and parents and kids who have that dynamic where that oh my kids always tell me everything we have that open dialogue mm-hmm. well that doesn't just happen at age when the kids turn thirteen. <laughs> yeah, it there, does not. There, yeah. No, there's a history of open dialogue there from what I've seen. And at, at some point, you, um, it's not true anymore, uh, even if you think that they tell you everything. Uh, and, and you don't want it to be because you want them to be able to process information and make a decision without involving you. It's, it's, it's my you know, analogy to fly fit. You got to let, let a little more line out because uh, you're supposed to be evolving and, and helping nurture the tools within them to make, you know, make good decisions. My mom always would say, hey, have fun carefully, you know, when I, when I was going out in high school. And, uh, and I, I, that still is in the back of my mind when, as my that's kids a, go out the a, door. That's a great quote, have fun carefully. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to tell you how to do, you know, do something, but just, just keep your head on straight and be, oh, be careful. Uh, which is funny because, you know, back when I used to rock climb, I used to drive my mother nuts. She hated that I went rock climbing. Mm. I was oh, honey, it's so dangerous. What, what she failed to realize is that driving to the rock climbing uh, uh, rocks was more dangerous. And, and the other fact is that she has injured herself sewing far more than I ever have rock climbing. Um, so I guess a little dose of perspective is, is fair there, too. Right. Yeah, that's probably true. You know, having perspective on, <laughs> on, on uh, you know, what your kids are doing and what you're doing. So. Yeah. And sorry, Mom, I just spoiled the secret. Um, <laughs> What were the high points and low points of your medical career? Mm, high points, um, you know, probably many to count, and, and and those were just those really are the little things where um, you know somebody um, comes in with something that they're worried about, and either either you efficiently figure it out, and maybe they were right, but there's still satisfaction in that. Or uh, being able to thoroughly help somebody realize that no, you don't have this, and and uh, uh, and have them leave, you know, comfortable and confident about that. Uh, and um, uh, you know, little things of you know, when you sense a parent is not very, um, you know, um, secure, or they they have a lot of insecurities about how they're doing, you know, their job, and just being able to to. Uh, uh, give them some perspective that that just helps them through that. Uh, little things, but those those add up to be a big thing. Uh, low points. Uh, the clearest low point in pediatrics is when one of your patients dies, and um, you know, unfortunately, that's a part of life. And I had um, a handful of patients die. Uh, some of them were just that's bad bad luck, bad disease. Um, and, uh, there are others where you might think, gosh, if I could have just known this detail, you know, a, a 
month or a couple weeks ahead of when we oh. realize it, maybe we could have changed the outcome. And, and I'm sure that's a, uh, I don't even want to call it a game, a mental plague that affects many, many physicians. Yeah, I, 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 I sort of think about it as a scar. You know, mm-hmm. everyone has scars. They, he, they heal. They're still there. You can see them. Yeah. Uh, and so I think every, every uh, clinician that works hard and sees lots of patients is going to have some scars, whether it's, you know, a patient dying or just, a, you know, an outcome that they, you know, don't, uh, don't like or wouldn't have um, anticipated, uh, desired, you know, um, that's just part of it. And yeah. It's part of life in general, but but that's that's yeah. the that's the sharp sharp end of of medicine. Yeah, uh, that's a good way of putting it too. Uh, yeah. And I I certainly have uh, experienced yes a little bit of that. Yes, not, I was actually fortunate uh, on the ambulance to not see anything terribly terribly horrific, but um, but uh, there are certainly those that do. So I, I, this yeah. can happen to anyone, even right. outside of medicine. Right. Yeah. It. Uh, so how how do you uh, I'm going to go off the off the script on this one, but mm. how do you move on with those scars? How do you use those scars for um, a better outcome next time? Oh, I, I think the scars are helpful, and I think mostly for for me, it is a very good reset of perspective uh, of the fragil- fragility of life and and the the importance of decisions that we make and uh, um, the the, the the challenge of uh, being in a, in a hurry and trying to, you know, just keep perspective. Uh, and I think that, you know, where, where someone has not either survived or had a bad outcome, you know, those remind me, hey, slow down, get it right, or get it as right as you possibly can. And, um, and then just be thankful for the fact that, you know, you can get up and go to work in the morning. You know, you can ride your bike to work, or you don't have uh, these huge obstacles in your life. Uh, and uh, uh, e- even though you might blame yourself for, you know, somebody else not um, um, you know, being in the same position as you are, uh, I-, I think that uh, I've interpreted or, or at least used it to be motivational to, uh, to just keep working harder. Excellent. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, a, a good way for people to look at that is something, mm-hmm. things happen every day to everybody. Right. Uh, one of the things that kind of guides me is, is um, uh, lesser people have done more, and there's always someone smarter out there. Mm-hmm. And, and <laughs> That's right. <laughs> which applies to me, because I'm not a physician for sure, but, um, but I'm sure that applies to everyone. But stuff happens move on, do your best, and try and do just a little bit better. Right, right. And, and, uh, uh, you know, I think that uh, physicians probably get revered more than they should. I mean, we are all just simply people. Uh, and I wait, wait a minute. Wait, I'm sorry. Do you put your pants on one leg at a time? <laughs> That's exactly true. And I, and I, I don't wear a white coat. <laughs> uh, I think that it's uh, important to, uh, um, you know, realize that, uh, you know, everyone has perspectives and, and experiences that are, that are challenging. It's not just, you know, healthcare. Uh, and it's really is a team sport. I mean, uh, it, it takes a family teaming together to raise he- healthy children. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes a group of people in a medical office or hospital to actually deliver, uh, the care, uh, that is, is the best. And, uh, um, 
having one person elevating their importance uh, is generally not really that helpful. Uh, you know, maybe in, in an operating room where, where, where someone just needs to be taking complete charge or a code situation, that's one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the majority of the time, it's, it's better to, to, and there's different styles of leadership. You do need to have a leader, but I think leading um, from within the team is, is more my style. And and I can vouch for that. You're you're not just speaking to the microphone and telling a story. I've mm. I've, I've witnessed that, and I and definitely appreciate that. I think um, I think uh, taking the lead and elevating one's importance are two different things. And mm-hmm. and um, and of my background, I I definitely believe that uh, leaders are also servants. And uh, you know, right and right. And, okay, we're going to lead this team, but we have to work together. Mm-hmm. Sports is a great analogy for that. Right. You know, the, the goalie can't do it all by himself. Neither can the center, <laughs> neither yeah. can the quarterback, neither can the whatever. Um, so uh, a couple years ago, you left the clinical doctor's office. Yeah, um, it was uh, uh, May 30th, 2013, my last. Can you, can you be more specific? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you. I remember my last, I remember my first patient uh, here and my last patient here. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's, I, don't, I don't think I intentionally do that, but it, it, it just becomes, I guess, bookends for chapters in your life. Yeah. And uh, um, it was a, um, uh, it wasn't an abrupt type of decision to to shift gears. Uh, I'm, I'm a cyclist, uh, and it used to be a little bit fast. Uh, I'm still fast when I'm riding alone, but so I use the, <laughs> the cycling analogies a lot. So I, you know, I view this as really uh, shifting gears and trying to say. Uh, all right, what do I know, and how can I take that knowledge and uh, you know move things forward uh, in, a, in a grander scale? Uh, and so, uh, primary care medicine is 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 wonderful. It's challenging. It's difficult. It's important. Uh, it is one one on one. And um, at some point, I think that my frustrations with the inefficiencies of it uh, started to. Um, Push me to explore, you know, different ways to do what we do every day. And uh, would, are, would you, uh, you would you mind diving in briefly into those inefficiencies or some of these sure issues that that kind of yeah. turned your head in a different direction? Um, yeah, and, and and I'm more uh, articulate about them because I've spent the last year, you know, thinking about them and trying to, you know, put together uh, a company and a product that actually. Um, uh, answers those challenges. Uh, but uh, if you boil uh, everything down to what I view is, okay, what's the, the starting point, the beginning of a sentence? And that's, that's the, the P2P, provider to patient time. And so that's when a, um, uh, and an interaction is happening where uh, the provider needs to understand what the patient's needs are, and then the provider needs to do their best to answer those needs. And so um, the inefficiencies of medicine are uh, time, retention, and uh, repetition, uh, if you just look at the core. And so mm-hmm. lack of time is, unfortunately, that's kind of the baseline of, of medicine. And, you know, an office visit is generally 15 minutes, uh, and you generally see 20 to 25 patients a day. And uh, so that's the, that's the, the, the foundation. Uh, and... And, and a visit itself isn't just all face-to-face time with the, the provider. Uh, there's 
um, you know, a lot of things that have to happen, and then the provider has to go out and you know, enter all the data into their computer. So the, the, the lack of time is one thing. And then uh, the next challenge is um, how much do people remember? You know, mm-hmm. Maybe you can say something quickly and, and, and say it reasonably completely, uh, but how much do people remember? So even if you can say it, can people remember it? And, and unfortunately, the, the truth of the matter is it's not very good. Well, especially if a physician is speaking Dr. Rees, it's, it's even more challenging. And I think physicians don't realize, and I can say this from experience, uh, personal, uh, we don't realize that we're talking in a language that is still Dr. Rees. Because that's your normal. Yeah. Well, even if you're intentionally trying to boil it down into, okay, let's just make this you know, very, very straightforward and um, easy to follow. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's amazing. And when you do um, uh, analysis, and there's been a lot of studies looking at how much people remember and then how much people actually remember accurately from what their provider said. Uh, and unfortunately, it's around 20 to 30% mm. of the information. That much. <laughs> well, good point. Uh, when, I have, when I've asked physicians this, I've asked tons of them. Most of them are, oh, it's 10 to 15%. And then the next question I ask him is, well, okay, fine. Uh, well, not fine, but uh, what are you doing about it? And unfortunately, the number one answer to that is a shoulder shrug and an I don't know. Uh, and uh, a, lot of, a lot of the challenge is verbal delivery. I mean, the majority of healthcare is delivered verbally. Uh, and that's, that's, a, that's a challenge mm-hmm. because you can't, uh, easily change the language that a person grew up using. Mm-hmm. You can try. Uh, and then the last challenge uh, that's core to us is just that the repetition of uh, basic information. Not that it's unimportant. It's actually very important. But it is, it is the 101 stuff. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's something that, that you build upon. Uh, you know, if, so an example would be, you know, asthma care or diabetes care or eczema care, just the fundamentals, things that don't, don't change from really person to person. Yeah, like uh, the fundamentals yeah. in, in, in playing sports. I yeah, mean, right. How do you hit the ball when you can't keep your eye on the ball or throw or catch? Right, and it's, it's, just, it's just, you know, where you need to start. And, and unfortunately, uh, under time constraint uh, and, uh, you know, given the, um, the recall statistics, it is uh, a challenging equation to, to try to um, do everything in a very short period of time. And uh, so, uh, you know, we, we started this project by just asking healthcare providers, like, what are your biggest challenges? We, we actually didn't know what we were doing at first, you know, or what we were going to end up with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we asked about 25 different providers uh, a standard list of questions, and they had nothing to do with us or you know, what we were doing, we're trying to validate what are the core, core challenges. And, and those are the ones that um, uh, were uniform among uh, different specialties. Uh, and pediatrics has some of their unique ones. You know, your patient doesn't want to have anything to do with you and they want to leave and they're pulling their parents' arms and they're crying. And then, you know, so th- some of those were our early, you know, mm-hmm. uh, identified challenges just being, being in pediatrics. But, but when, you, when, you, when you factor that out, you know, time... Uh, retention, and then repetition of basic information uh, are challenges. So when you began asking these questions of other physicians, did you have any idea in your mind that you wanted to start something, leave leave your practice, begin a entrepreneurial 
endeavor? Uh, yes, I did, to, uh, to, to be completely open about it. We didn't just, you know, sit down and say, have coffee and say, oh, let's just ask some questions and see. Uh, no, I was motivated to do something bigger uh, and to, 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 to uh, improve healthcare uh, on, a, on a large scale, but starting at the beginning, you know, that, that, uh, that provider-to-patient relationship and that, that, that time, because it's, it's, it's very finite, uh, and I think we, I think we largely uh, waste it. I mean, health, uh, office visits are the backbone of our healthcare system. There's so many of them every year. There's a billion mm-hmm. office visits. And an analogy that I've used is, you know, imagine that you run a company and you have 1,000 employees, and you can only meet with your employees one-on-one, 15 minutes at a time, and they're going to remember 20% of what you ask them to do. You know, what type of a company are you going to have? And I mean, it doesn't take healthcare. L- yeah, <laughs> you're going to have healthcare. <laughs> you're going to have you're going to have a company that consumes 18 percent of our GDP. Yeah, and it's amazing amazing how uh, tolerant we have been uh, to that inefficiency. Um, well, and and from a consumer side, um, frustration. The the frustrating word is. It's a little bit harsh because, you know, I certainly understand this is the dynamic. This is how the business works. But um, there have been times when I've seen, and this this is not you, but when I've seen my physician for all of five minutes and I've gotten a couple questions answered and then uh, a few weeks later then I see a bill for, you know, two $300. I was mm-hmm. thinking, wow, that, that's a pretty good racket to get into. Five, five minutes for 200 bucks and... And, and, but they're, um, and that's only looking at it just strictly from the economic side. I mean, there's the whole questions answered. I, I want, I want some fears allayed or whatever experience that a patient might have going in there. Not certainly just mine, but others. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that um, one of the things that's interesting, uh, since we now interact with lots of different specialties, is there are some healthcare providers that look at what they do as uh, a product that they're delivering and they they're motivated to deliver the best product that they can uh, and then that the other end of the spectrum is um, more of an older traditional mindset of um, you know I'm a doctor patients come to see me there's lots of there's in fact there's too many patients and so I just need to you know keep you know doing what tradition has has allowed us to do and and, and you you know, largely base it on a short office visit and not that you overvalue what you say, but if you're if that's the the way the product is packaged, uh, today's consumer isn't exactly going to be satisfied with that. Yeah. I, th- I think going forward, as healthcare reform shifts more costs to the individual, like oh, you got you, you're going to shop around a little bit more. You know, non medical analogies. You want you want to buy something. Well, what do you do? I mean, you 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 do some background research. You know, mm-hmm. you, you figure out. Uh, what are your choices? And then you, maybe you talk to some people who've made those choices, you know, and, 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 um, uh, and then you make your decision. And I think the providers that are um, delivering the care that the marketplace wants are, are going to have, not only are they going to be happier with what they do, you know, they're going to be more confident, I'm, I'm delivering good care, uh, as opposed to just running through 25 patients a day just to kind of keep up with expectations uh, administratively, but um, it's going to be a, it's going to be a win-win. You know, patients are going to be happier, uh, and I always know at the end of a day where I felt like, okay, I actually um, figured out a few things and was able to answer most of the questions mm-hmm. that I were asked. 
Well, and 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 please forgive me. I, w- I didn't want to sound like I was trying to throw some uh, certain doctors under the bus because I, I know that the, most of the doctors that I know um, and have worked with have been absolutely salt of the earth, great great mm-hmm. people who just also happen to be physicians and um, and. and and it seems like with some of the ones that I've worked with or met or have seen that if they could see 10 patients in a day and just spend more time and do a better job, they could. But, but on some level that, um, you know, some, you know, physicians also have a job to do. Mm -hmm. They're also employees if they work for this system or that system. And they also have their set of expectations that they must produce this much, you know, it, it, it's just kind of like the cog in the wheel type of thing all over again, it seems. Yeah, that is a um, more typical, um, I think, feeling that people have now. Uh, and, you know, healthcare is reorganized and uh, you do have to, it is a business, and so you do have to see enough patients to uh, pay your uh, expenses mm-hmm. uh, and yourself. And, and uh, so there is a business aspect of it. Uh, you know, the, 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 the challenge is the expectation of medicine. You know, doctors can't be wrong, you know, or mm-hmm. if they're wrong, there's a hammer. And um, the reimbursements are, are, are challenging. The, the amount of, um, you know, the number of patients that you have to see just to balance out uh, the economics of it uh, is at a point where mm, not, I would say in general, it's not, uh, it's not healthy. It's not delivering the best product, uh, which is, you know, one of the uh, nudges that I um, took or, or, or let push me uh, mm-hmm. to, to, to leave medicine, uh, at least at least day-to-day medicine. Gotcha. So, so with your new form of medicine, um, um, I, I'm going to call it entrepreneurial medicine. Sure, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so you you left your practice. You left that thing that you studied for for uh, pretty much a decade and have been doing for almost two decades, mm-hmm. um, and you stopped. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that took a certain amount of courage, or a certain amount of mojo, or a certain amount of uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, throw a little a little bit of caution to the wind um, mm-hmm. to to some extent. Um, yeah, how much courage did it take to do this? This is not your typical doctor behavior. Uh, no, there's there's not there's not very many people that, that do this. And there's uh, a video doctors behaving badly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I'm 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 actually realizing the magnitude of the decision now more so than I did at the moment. Uh, um, you know, I could see the next step or two um, from where I was. Uh, sitting when I made the decision. Decision. It was familiar. Yes, <laughs> yes. It wasn't. It wasn't. I could see the end point, uh, and it was all mapped out. And it was just a matter of of of, of going through and, and, and connecting all the dots. No, there, there's there's uh, none of that uh, with this, and uh, it, it got to the point where I just had this, you know, core feeling that okay, I can actually, I can actually make make a difference. I can do this. And uh, some of that's based on, uh, on, on faith. There's, a, there's an element of, of stubborn, stubbornness. I have Irish and German blood in me. And, uh, um, and uh, also there's a little validation along the way uh, through, through a couple things. 
Uh, we, we presented at the Ben Venture Conference as a concept stage company in, in 2012, and, and we, won, we won best concept, even though the concept that we have right now are, is, is very different than what we had then. Um, but at some point, you're, you're right. It was just a, it's just a, the decision has to be made, uh, and it was a fork in the road. I mean, I could not keep uh, the energy uh, going uh, in my practice and at the same time uh, pushing the project forward. And so... Uh, commitment is uh, a great feeling. Uh, it's energizing, and uh, part of that is the the nervousness of it. You mm-hmm. know, you're committed to something that has a lot of uncertainty. But uh, I, um, uh, I obviously I remember the day I, that I switched, and uh, um, it's um, yeah, it's it's been a it's been a more challenge than you realize uh, decision. You know, after you've been doing it for a year, um, but it's just something you just have to. Just decide, but if you had if you had a uh, a better glimpse of what the challenges and the magnitude would be, would you have done it again? Uh, yes, yes. There's there's no doubt that I, I, I knowing everything that I know right now, uh, I'd still be sitting where I am today talking to you. Uh, would I have done some things differently? Uh, most definitely. Uh, I, I would be smarter about some aspects of of starting companies and. Um, you know, working with people, uh, and uh, you know, it's it's a, it is a team sport in lots of things. Uh, this is the same thing, and uh, you know, we've had our challenges uh, with um, you know building teams and having the team change, and uh, you know, being the the leader of the team. You know, I take that very seriously, and and uh, um, trying to really. Um, support and manage the team's culture, but also expectations, uh, is, is not, um, it's not obvious all the time. Uh, things can change surprisingly quickly, uh, in, in, especially in the world where, you know, people are, are, are working on a project, but they're not necessarily getting paid, you know, and so mm-hmm. they have to believe in the project and then believe in the leadership and, um, uh, and that can get blurry when, you know, things get a little, little tough, Mm-hmm. Uh, whether that's you know trying to tackle a problem or the product's not resonating quite as well or we're running low on money. That yeah. sounds like classic human relationships 101. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, uh, do you ever suffer from doubt? Um, yes, yes. And, and, and uh, uh, I think anybody that says they don't uh, isn't quite in tune, but, uh, you know, I'm overall a... Uh, stubbornly op- optimistic person, uh, and I probably throw more hard work into something sometimes than um, I should uh, because I think it's going to work out. Uh, and I remember one time when I was I was you know growing up in in Albuquerque, and my mom got us into uh, figure skating, and uh, uh, and I was interested in the the jumps, you know, I like like, like the acrobatic you know things. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time I was trying to get. Uh, it, the, the single axle down. And I remember just uh, carving out a piece of, of, of the, the rink and just trying to barrel through and push and just, just speed and just will. And my uh, coach showed up and uh, he said, you know, um, you just can't do it over and over and over again and expect it to come right, you know, come out right. You mm-hmm. got you to you think about what you're doing. And uh, uh, 
that 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 analogy uh, is is something that uh, I've I've thought about a little bit more recently, and um, uh, you know slowing down a little bit and saying okay well what is the most productive thing to do right now because there's not a recipe for all of this, mm-hmm. uh, and um, uh, I'm not sure where I'm going with all that but mm-hmm. uh, nonetheless uh, uh, yeah this is a this is a challenging world you have to rise above. The, the sometimes the day to day to just and, and look at why are you doing this overall and where where could it go and that that needs to drive you uh, and keep you going well and it sounds like you I mean I, I I think I was following you on that analogy just from the stance of of you have doubt um, some people have fear of failure some people have insecurity um, mm-hmm. so how do you move forward through those issues and it's just like mm-hmm. you're describing well. Um, if you put your head down and do the same thing over and over again, well, that's one definition of crazy, but to throw that effort, but with intention, if, if I, if I'm extrapolating where you're Mm -hmm. going, then correct me if I'm wrong, but, uh, is put your heart into it, but, but pay attention to the shifting, um, uh, landscape underneath you. Right. Yeah, definitely. You have to, uh, you have to keep your eyes open and you have to, um, you, you got to be flexible, uh, and it's 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 hard because, you know, the, again, there is there isn't um, you're not following someone else's lead here, uh, and uh, you have to be able to tolerate tolerate risk, and uh, you know I think that's a little bit in my genetics. My 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 grandfather uh, was uh, actually he was a, a pharmacist for a very short period of time, and then he left and went into went into business, and, and uh, he. Um, he always tolerated risk pretty well, and I think that, uh, um, in part, he he always uh, he said he would always feed the ponies. He went to the horse races and, mm-hmm. and would buy <laughs> buy lottery tickets and, and buy you know bet on horses. And, and I think that I have part of that. Uh, and and uh, so doing this sort of uh, thing helps if you have some risk tolerance. If you're overly analytical on uh, every single step, you're not going to be comfortable doing this sort of a thing. Yeah, I, I think uh, I, I always default. Mentally, I always default to a, a saying that I heard in sports and even in, in other um, more masculine uh, cultures that I participated in. Is mm-hmm. you know, you know, everyone, everyone has fear and doubt, and but you know, get over it, pick mm-hmm. yourself up, princess, and keep moving. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yes, that did come from a manly culture. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so, how did you end up in Central Oregon? Uh, so we migrated four hours uh, south. So uh, after I finished my residency in Dallas, Texas, Big D, uh, my wife and I knew that we didn't want to stay in, in, in Pancake Flat, Texas. Uh, although we had a, I had a great time there. I learned a ton, awesome program. And, uh, you know, I would go there again. But, but uh, 10 feet of elevation was not your... Yeah, idea. no, especially after uh, going to college in Seattle and just seeing Mount Rainier and the Cascades and spending time in the mountains and, 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 the, and the, the sound is like, all right, we want to, we want to get back to the Northwest. Uh, and so um, we moved to uh, Yakima, Washington, and uh, it's a, a similar size community to Bend, four hours north, and joined an awesome practice and learned a ton. Uh, uh, the scary thing that people probably don't want to hear is that when you finish medical school and residency, you still don't know anything. And so it's, okay. it's important. <laughs> it's very important to get into a practice that is uh, supportive, nurturing, uh, is going to help you uh, really just get around the block a couple of times. Uh, 
and you know you you, you leave a protected uh very protocol-driven institution when you leave your residency program. And then you're sitting there in the ER with your first patient that has uh, diabetic ketoacidosis, and you're like, well, why isn't all this stuff happening? You know, yes. like, I'm actually <laughs> supposed to direct every uh, everything. And uh, that uh, is a little scary. Um, so I joined a, an awesome group, Yakima Pediatric Associates, and uh, really learned to walk uh, and, and, and hopefully run a little bit. Uh, and then uh, practiced there for 11 years. And probably the entrepreneurial drive within me was um, uh, just the clock was, was, was rolling that I didn't realize at the time because about, you know, seven, seven, eight years, I was kind of like, all right, what? I'm, I'm just kind of tired of this routine. And what's next? Uh, and so I uh, actually looked at starting a, a practice up in Bellingham, Washington for a little while. And then that was going to be solo, and that was kind of a challenging, challenging direction. So uh, uh, actually I got into cycling and uh, – Yakima is a very uh, awesome place for cycling because it's mm-hmm. a small pond compared to Ben. Ben's a big pond, lots of big cyclists. But nonetheless, th- that was kind of my new thing for a little while. And then, uh, and then our kids were starting to, you know, um, uh, go through the school system, and, and we just didn't feel comfortable staying in Yakima for the long term. Part of it, part of it was probably the creativity of the place. I mean, awesome place. Uh, but uh, Ben showed up on the radar. And then uh, the, 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 the challenge of starting a pediatrics department within a group uh, was, was pretty irresistible. I, I practiced for 11 years by that point, and I was like, okay, I know enough to, to not, be, not be too dangerous, and I, I, I can probably take this on. And, and, and it also was just creative. You know, mm-hmm. It was starting something from scratch, and it had actually relatively low risk because you know, I had a salary, and I had people that were – would, would organize things if I asked him to do things. And, 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 and the people I was working with were, were great, super supportive. And so that was, that was great. Uh, and that, uh, was how we ended up getting down here. Awesome. What, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, this is going to be very rude of me, but I'm going to ask to, I'm going to pin you down on what is, what is the one thing you love the most about Central Oregon? One thing that I love the most, uh, it's, um, I think it's just being able to um, be out of town really quickly. Uh, and whether that's on a mountain bike, a road bike, uh, walking, uh, just, I mean, just the river trail, you know, right by my office, I could be um, from my desk to the river trail in six minutes. And if I just, you know, didn't look 360. I, I, I felt like I was in the middle of the forest, you mm-hmm. know, and, uh, and there's something about when you go for, um, when you go for a hike, you know, all of those day-to-day things kind of melt away and you just have this sort of, um, you know, clearing of your mind and a little bit of a reset because you're, you're getting some exercise and maybe you're getting a little tired when you're hiking and all that. But all around you is just, you know, it's, it's, uh, water and trees and, and, um, I think that, that access is what um, is really attractive. Uh, yeah, I think that's clarifying on many, many, many levels. Yeah, yeah. Um, how do you define and live your good life? Mm. Uh, those are two different things. Because I would say that I uh, have a definition, and I'm I'm not good at uh, um, being an example of how to live it. Uh, I I, um, uh, I think that uh, defining a good life is. Um, being connected to the people that are important around you and having a balance of your time with them. Uh, maybe that's a little bit more, 
um, front and center as my daughter, who just graduated from high school, is you know, away for a good chunk and of the summer. She's doing, if, if, if the little blooper that told me this uh, mm-hmm. told me correctly, she's doing some fantastic art program, right? Right. So she, she, she's a creative, uh, and uh, she was accepted uh, into uh, this uh, program uh, at AUB, or Arts University of Bournemouth, and it's actually in England. And it is a, uh, a program that is three years long, and it's all centered on, it's centered on, on, on uh, creative arts. So that's uh, costume design for theater, for film, digital arts, um, film, um, yeah, um, and, you know, acting. She's, she's, she's more uh, into the creative parts, as, although she's very comfortable on center stage. I'm not sure where she got that from. But uh, so she just started this program, and, and uh, uh, as I'm... Uh, you know, coming home and I see a dad and, and his young daughter walking down the sidewalk. I'm like, darn it, you know, because uh, she's gone. She's gone right now, oh, and God. so I, I think that it's important to uh, live along the way and uh, uh, enjoy those moments. And starting at, starting a company is not very good uh, for that. And uh, over this past few months, I've realized, you know, uh, the world's still turning. I just need to slow down a little bit. Even though you have this pressure of time and the window of opportunity and how long your money is going to last, uh, but I think that spending uh, um, time away and just in balance actually makes you more productive when you're when you're trying to get something done. Mm. So. And that brings up um, my my father tells a story about um, growing up in England and mm. and in and. Um, and uh, being bombed from the Nazis and then immigrating to America and being horrifically poor and losing his mother and never seeing his father. I mean, all this right. bad stories. But then he he made something of himself and got into business and did very well and yada, yada, yada. And, and you know, life is grand. But that, but when we ask him, so, Dad, what was your mm-hmm. favorite moments? It's like, well, sitting around the pool on the weekends and doing some yard work and barbecuing. Right. Not traveling to Europe for this, that, and the other thing and, and all these great experiences that he had. It was the mundane spending time with the family type of answer. I think, I think that was uh, uh, actually a true answer, and it's, it's believable. And I think as your life goes along, you realize the value of that. And early in your life, you do not realize the value mm-hmm. of that. Uh, and it's, it's simplicity. Uh, yeah. But there's a lot of value in, in, in that. Yeah, so the, the, the simple life and the life full of good relationships. Right. Is, yeah. Is, is, is uh, underestimated. Yeah, and I think that um, uh, also for me is is just finding something to do that just feels like all right, this is this is meaningful uh, and this is adding, this is helping. Uh, and uh, you know, I think it would be hard uh, for me to do something where um, you know it was the same thing over and over again, or it just didn't have this you know entrepreneurial aspect to it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's. Uh, uh, we don't need everybody to be an entrepreneur because nothing would happen. Or, yeah, but uh, uh, I think that uh, if that's what drives you, then I think that's the other ingredient. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so as we uh, start to bring this podcast to a close, I want to um, go into our rapid-fire question series before sure. we, we end up and, and find out a little bit more about Zippity. Um, but are you ready for this? I am. Go <laughs> for it. Okay. <laughs> what is your favorite virtue? Uh, so I, I think, uh, so I looked at this question, I, I thought about that this, just this morning for about five minutes. I think, I think it ultimately is, is, uh, is kindness and that, and that's, uh, 
uh, not just blind, you know, generosity, but it's it's like if you have the ability to do something for somebody else, uh, that's a definition of kindness, and and and, and you got to figure out a way to do that sustainably. But but that that's that's probably my my driving virtue. Then what is your favorite vice? Um, good coffee. Uh, I think I've I've turned into a bit of a coffee snob. Uh, Which is easy to do in the Northwest. Easy to do here, and uh, so enjoying enjoying not only just drinking a good, but but also uh, being able to, um, uh, to to make really good coffee. So, do you grind your own beans? Oh, most definitely. <laughs> good for you. What motivates you? Uh, motivates, um, I would say. A lot of things, but, uh, you know, making a difference. Okay, fine. That sounds kind of wishy-washy, but no, making a difference. Uh, and, uh, um, and it's not just the people saying thank you. Cause that's, you know, I'm probably as bad as anybody else about that, but, uh, making a difference. Uh, the other thing that motivates me is a nice long, uh, hill climb on a, on a, on a road bike <laughs> that, uh, is, is challenging, uh, getting to the top. Then what frustrates you? Uh, I get frustrated by, um, you know, probably, um, well, uh, inefficiency, inefficiency of medicine and, 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 and to be, to be open about it. If, if I'm, I'm working really hard with somebody and they're not, um, even though they may say they are or, or try to come across that, that they're working and committed as much as I am, I think I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated by that. Mm. What guides you? Um, I, I would say, um, I, I guess in this project, you know, trying to get to a point where we're sustainable and we're making a difference, uh, that's a, a, a guiding, um, uh, a guiding uh, force, I guess. Uh, you know, uh, I grew up Catholic, uh, and was part of the Catholic church for a long time. And, and, and at this point, um, I'm more uh, agnostic. Uh, I certainly uh, believe in greater, uh, greater forces, and the um, that the you, know, you look around you like there's no way that this just you know just happened. Yeah, this this <laughs> is not an accident. Yeah, yeah. this is not is you know uh, some uh, DNA kind of in a in a melting pot for a while, but. Uh, um, uh, yeah, I think that my you know just trying trying to do the right thing and trying to trying to make things better is my primary driver. Then, what distracts you from that? Um, the Tour de France <laughs> that's on TV. <laughs> so, so July is always a challenging month. Oh, is it on? Oh, okay, podcast over. <laughs> that's right. We gotta go. Uh, no, that's why I was glad it was at ten fifteen instead of uh, nine. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I, I guess I would say it probably. Um, I, I have a little ADD. I think probably lots of people have ADD. I think I have the right amount, but uh, I can I can get distracted by you know a really great song or uh, you know um, uh, you know a lot of things. I guess, but uh, that's funny. I call that my healthy dose of ADD. Right. I think. Well, actually, if you if you look at successful people, especially uh, comedians, uh, musicians, especially you know improv, jazz, mm-hmm. you know ADD actually does give you an advantage. Uh, the, again, the right amount, but uh, the, the right amount. Um, what what inspires you? Um, 
oh, well, uh, I mean, nature inspires me. I mean, just looking out and seeing the sunrise on, you know, the Sisters Mountains or, uh, um, you know, just the, uh, the, the, the tranquility of, of, of a walk in the woods, uh, those are inspiring. Um, lots of people inspire me. Uh, and, you know, I, I can't think of anybody right off the top of my head right now, but, you know, teachers that I've had, but, uh, um, you know, certainly parents. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, uh, it's probably more social things inspire me. I mean, when you, when you, when somebody does something that is really, um, not necessarily above and beyond, but just really well done, uh, you know, an example without too much detail is my, uh, uh, my daughter just has had some, uh, health, uh, uh, challenges and, uh, we saw a, a couple of, 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 healthcare providers and one person that we just the last person we saw was just amazingly connected and sensitive and um uh, i viewed that as a um uh, some wind in uh wind in my sails as far as uh, all right there there is hope for there is hope for um you know medicine i i will say i'm i'm largely or generally critical of 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 healthcare delivery uh, but not, I'm, I'm not um, completely negative about it. Mm. But uh, so, <clears throat> excuse me. What is your favorite quote? Uh, well, actually, I, lots of them. But but I just heard one um, last night. In fact, and, I, and it wasn't because of this, but it was it was uh, uh, John Calipari. He's a uh, NCAA basketball men's basketball coach, and he said his mom uh, said to him a long time ago. Uh, dream beyond your surroundings, you know, dream beyond your immediate surroundings. And I thought that was really insightful uh, because if you look at exactly what's in the room or in your day-to-day, uh, you may not be able to actually uh, dream as well as you can. Mm. Uh, so that's one. And, and then the other sort of driver is, is um, uh, in, in medical school, um, uh, it was, he was an OBGYN professor, and he just at the end of a lecture, he said, um, always make sure that your patient is better off for coming in to see you that day. And I didn't realize those words stuck with me, but they have since 1994. And simple, but, but pretty challenging. Uh, and that's, that's, that's a quote that's, that's inspired me, not only in you know, healthcare, but in interactions with other people, my family, mm-hmm. or, you know, and every day is not going to be this you know, rosy picture. But uh, as long as you're, as you're trying just to make make it better for people to have run into you that day. <laughs> if you weren't a physician, hmm. what would you have been? I think we know the answer to that, but I wouldn't. Um, actually, uh, I probably would have been an architect. Really? Uh, yeah, probably. Uh, I thought about it. Uh, I didn't think I was good enough at the first part of the word, the, the art part. <laughs> uh, and uh, But my wife is an architect, and I find myself looking at her uh, architectural journals uh, um, all the time, and just that the form and function, and just the aesthetics, and just the attention to detail. Uh, so probably I would have, have done done that. I don't know that uh, in, in order for me to be doing what I'm doing right now, I, I would have had to become a, a physician mm-hmm. uh, and gone through that. And uh, and hopefully, hopefully this can um, you know can see itself to sustainability. I mean, it's. It's uh, do we deserve to live? And uh, to be very open about it right now, the, the verdict isn't, isn't in on that. Uh, we're working really hard. 
And it's a lot of things have to come together for you know, this to become a viable, sustainable, um, you know, business. Uh, but more than a business, but you know, really more of a movement. You know, it's like we're trying to, we're really trying to, we're taking a big bite and trying to change healthcare uh, at the, the the most intimate provider-to-patient interaction. And that's a lot of things have to come together for that to happen. Well, I've got one more question before we dive sure. back into that. Um, what do you hope to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gate someday? Uh, something pretty simple like, hey, Rick, nice job. <laughs> that, that'd be fine. Um, I don't, I don't, uh, uh, I'm not a person who likes to get a lot of accolades and you know, I accept them. I think one thing that uh, someone told me along the way is like, you know, when someone gives you a compliment, it's res- you should acknowledge it because otherwise you're not really being as, as respectful as, mm-hmm. as you should be, and, and, uh, and, and they probably mean it. Uh, but I, I think that uh, a short little, hey, welcome, good job, is fine. Good. Um, so uh, one of the things that I wanted to find out um, that to kind of cap everything off yeah. is how can people find you, but, but also describe more about what zippity.com is and, sure. and just to be clear, it's yeah. spelled Z I P E D E dot com. So right. anyone who wants to take a look, please check it out. But yeah, yeah. So the 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 the, the name Zippity uh, Zip is quick and E D E is education. So and there's a layer of communication I, in there. And uh, some for some reason, I just got stuck in my head that it would have something to do with Zippity Doo well, luckily, when you trademark something, you don't need to uh, include a pronunciation because probably Disney would have said, "Hey, wait a second, uh, that's too, too too close. We're getting getting too gotcha. close." To, uh, so, um, so in a in a in a um, a nutshell, uh, Zippity is, um, I guess, really, it's a simple tool for you know any type of healthcare provider. Uh, but boiling it down below that is it's it's really a way to um, uh, prescribed care, uh, and it's the person's care to the patient, you know, the provider to the patient, and it's like a prescription pad for everything except medication. And when you when you contrast how much attention to detail has gone into prescribing medications, uh, you know, there's a prescription nowadays they're electronic, and so mm-hmm. they can actually the pharmacist can actually read the writing, uh, but you know that that you select a medication out of a range of choices and that gets sent to the pharmacist who double checks it and then they agree with it or they call you and say, no, this needs to be modified. And then that gets, you know, given to the patient with very strict instructions. It's very, very tightly, you know, it's in a little container and Mm -hmm. it's very nicely packaged. Uh, And then contrast that to everything else that we do. Advice. Advice, education, recommendations, motivation. All of that is largely you know, verbally delivered, so not really well remembered, and uh, it's, it's compressed in time, and uh, uh, there's a, a person, his name is uh, Joshua Seidman, uh, he uh, for a while was working with Health and Human Services, and he's got some great um, lectures on, online, but, but he, and he might not have come up with it, but it's just the, the analogy of, of information is like a medication, you know, and, and words have power, mm-hmm. uh, 
so much of what we do in medicine is words. And just like medication, you have to have the right words, so the right medication. You have to take them at the right frequency and dose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you need to, to stop at some point, you know. And so the analogy of, of information like a medication is really kind of a core kind of feature. So, so instead of just verbally saying, hey, here's what you have and here's what you need to do and walk out the door, um, why don't we uh, deliver that in an engaging way? Awesome. And so what's the website one more time? Uh, so it's uh, www.zipity.com. Z-I-P-E-D-E. Zipity. <laughs> and let's end on that. Awesome. Dr. Cuddy, thank you so much for joining us today and, and uh, sharing with us the uh, your take on the good life and all the great things that you're doing. And, and uh, this is Jeremy just saying thank you for uh, joining us at the podcast and uh, for helping you help, uh, pursuing the good life by helping you pursue yours. Uh, thank you, Jeremy. This was great. Thanks. Take care.